Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Sherlock's Highlights podcast with me, Charlotte Collins. This week, I'm joined by Heather Steele, Laura Black, and Georgina Blasky. Good morning, everyone. Morning. Bright and early on Monday morning. And it's October and it's nice and cold. It's I'm really so happy. nice. It's sunny isn't it? as well. My favourite. I know, me too. This is my absolute favourite time of year. It I really mean. is your dream. Everyone's got knits on today. I'm so <laughs> happy. Yeah, all the chunky knits and chunky scarves. What did everybody get up to this weekend? I was super chilled this weekend. Same. Yeah, not much. Literally just enjoying this weather it was really nice it was so yeah. nice and how nice is it to be able to hibernate and not feel guilty about it yes that's what I like best although it was quite warm on Saturday so I was like I need to go outside and actually Saturday yeah. afternoon was really yeah. warm wasn't it's it nice. and it annoyed yeah. me that it was warm was I like, know oh. I was the same I wanted <laughs> yeah. to stay in bed doing nothing and I was like oh no I need to go out now <laughs> yeah I was walking along the road yesterday and I was thinking this is all lovely it's crisp and sunny but actually when it's raining and you can say should we just put a movie yes. on and not do yeah. anything it's so it's such a tonic not to feel you have to be rushing around have to be asking about. And yeah. In the summer, it was so hot that like you felt like you couldn't spend a minute inside for like yeah. June, July, and August. So it's so nice now to just be like, I'm just going to watch a box set. Exactly. Yeah. Nothing. Has anybody been watching anything good? I've watched quite a few films recently because I think again it's that time of year where you can go to the cinema and it's acceptable. So I finally saw Black Klansman last oh, yeah. week. Was it good? It was really, really good. I loved it. It was really powerful because it's all set in the '60s and it's about racism and everything to do with that. It's about a black cop who manages to infiltrate the Ku Klux Klan Mm -hmm. but the bit that was most powerful was right at the end when the film finished and then they showed loads of recent footage in America of all like the sort of neo-Nazi anti-black Charlottesville stuff exactly all of that sort of footage and it really did kind of hammer home that actually all that stuff isn't left in the 60s and 70s it's still kind of very much alive now it did make a real impact and the acting's supposed to be amazing in that it was Adam Driver right Adam Driver's in it and Denzel Washington's son, son yeah. yeah, is in it, and he's brilliant as well. So yeah, I'd really recommend it. Is it still in the cinema? It might be for a little bit longer, I yeah. think. It's probably on DVD quite soon. <laughs> but yes. yeah, it's really funny, but you're watching it and you're really shocked as well. I am so excited for that Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga film to come out. I know, out. it's this yeah. week. Has anyone Star seen Star is yeah. Born, yeah. yeah. They were on Graham Norton on Friday night, and it just looks like the most unbelievable film. The acting, like, yeah. she is so talented. She? Yeah. She's Oscar-tipped for it. Yeah. She really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you hear her interview where she was just gushing and gushing like, he's the most amazing co-star, he's the most amazing, didn't he direct he it? Yeah, he directed it. Yeah. yeah. And she just, I mean, was completely in awe She was him. like that on Graham Norton. Like, it was almost embarrassing. Like, a Brit would have yeah. been way more embarrassed than he was. <laughs> with how effusive she was oh, being. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But like a good duo, I think. I think that's going to be good. Yeah, me too. Strictly, do I have an audience who cares about Strictly? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Oh, I'm in. I don't know. You, okay, well, you can be quiet for a <laughs> 
I heard it was quite boring this week, though, on Twitter, that it dragged quite a lot. There's a lot of them to get through at the moment. Yes. I think when you're down to the kind of final 10, and then it gets really exciting. I agree. Because also, you kind of have to cut the dead weight a bit in the first few seasons. Like, you have some really good ones. So, who's good then? Dr. Ranj. He's quite a big personality in my household, anyway. Oh. BBs. Come on. Oh, yeah. Is he operation Um, out? Or is he. He's get well soon. Get well soon. Hospital. Okay, yeah. So he fits in a lot. Yes. Works in any. That is the And best he bit. does this program. That's brilliant. Oh, and now he's doing strictly and, and he can dance. And has time to get those teeth so, so white. white. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, can we just talk about the teeth for a bit? Because I spent the whole dance just going, I forget the disco ball, it's the teeth that are blinding yeah, me. Oh my years. god, they were amazing. I really think that people should take into account the people on the show who have like oodles of time to rehearse, and then people like him who are yeah. still working in A and E. Yeah. So insane. So even throughout the rehearsals now, he's still yeah. doing yeah. shifts. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I know, amazing. But Kate Silverton, she was oh, incredible. Yes, she was incredible. And she's got a proper woman's figure. She just yeah. is in that dress. She looks she's stunning. Only it, looking amazing. Absolutely stunning. Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. Her hair like that was yes. just amazing. amazing. And I think she's kind of proved that you have to just absolutely go for it. Like she yeah. acts it, doesn't she? Yeah. She really embraces, you know, they always say you've got to see it in your face and she's good at that. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Which will stand her in good stead, I think. Yeah. Yeah, she was really good. Does anyone else think it's really, really unfair that Ashley Roberts is allowed to be in the show? She was literally like a dancer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was like, yeah. Our dancers. It's so yeah, unfair. Yeah, they're not yeah, actually yeah. singers, really. No, really exactly. Nicole, he could sing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think it's a bit... Like, how can you compare, like, Susanna Constantine to yeah. a professional dancer? Hasn't you know, she so done dancer. Uh, Dancing with the Stars or something like that in the States she, as well? I think she was a, what, a judge. I, she no. was a judge. Was she was a judge on something dancey here in the UK. It's just unfair. She was, Yeah, that's but she won't get you see the way Brits operate is they like the underdog yes. you yeah. know that's what we yeah. like so mm-hmm. she won't get the votes then because everyone will be like but it's just not fair she shouldn't even be yeah, on here so yeah. when it comes to popularity contest side I think, right, she might not make it yeah. anyway well I think Kate Silverton has my vote at this point at this point I would agree yeah. Let's talk about cleaning gurus. You may think that fashion Instagrammers have the monopoly on followers, but it turns out there's a whole new type of influencer that people are obsessed with. It's cleaning gurus like Sophie Hinchcliffe, who's known to her fans as Mrs. Hinch. She has, well, this piece says 610,000 followers. I just had a look at her and she's got over 700,000 followers. And just 200-something photos, not even a lot of uploads, of her clean, clean house. Has anyone ever followed a cleaning Instagrammer? No. No. <laughs> I mean, no. I thought this would be something you could be into. I like a clean house. You do. But I'm not sure I need to watch somebody else clean, clean their yeah. house. Well, apparently there's some psychology behind this. I was going to say, I can understand that a little bit. That it's quite satisfying yeah. and therapeutic <laughs> to watch somebody clean. In this piece, it actually says that Astrid said she watched Mrs. Hinch clean a rug for 15 minutes the other day. That's <laughs> 15 minutes she will never Never get that back. Do you not think maybe they serve a bit of a purpose? My view is I'm already cleaning up after myself and another four people. So the idea of them watching someone else cleaning is really boring. It would not be therapeutic. It's like torture. Yeah, it's too much. I can't cope with it because I hate cleaning. I love tidying. Yeah, I think I'm quite similar to that. Whereas my husband loves cleaning. Oh, lucky you. Get those rubber gloves on, get the cleaning products out and scrub. I hate that. But I can arrange a bookshelf or um, some candles on a mantelpiece. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
the toys in the playroom happily, but not the scrubbing. Well, there is another influencer who this piece shouts out called Nicola Lewis. She's known on social media as This Girl Can Organise. And she posts supposedly satisfying snaps of immaculately organised drawers and cupboards. Maybe that's more up your street. Yeah, I looked her up and I started following (laughs) her. I can do this. I need to get my Tupperware. I'm going to label. I'm going to... Yeah, I'm quite into a bit of like pantry porn. I don't know if that's a phrase, but it should be. Well, it is now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's really satisfying. Did anyone ever watch those shows? Like, how clean is your house? Yeah, I put that down. I remember like Kim and Aggie, but I I wouldn't watch it, uh, you know, wouldn't sit down to watch it specifically, but I definitely remember it. And finding them fascinating. I mean, some of those houses were... It's always hoarders, wasn't it? Or people who died and not bothered to kind of get rid of the body. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the stairs. Well, I think those ones are quite satisfying because it's that before and after yeah. thing, which every, it's like a makeover, really. Yeah, a transformation, <laughs> isn't it? Whereas this, I don't think I really need to sit and watch a really clean person do more cleaning. cleaning. No, um, I think I just feel guilty. Yes, just be watching. Yeah, it's it, like, more relaxing. Yeah, I should yeah. be doing that right now. Also, her house is very sterile looking. Did anybody look at the mm. pictures on her Instagram? It's all minimalist and white. Well, it's just very grey, bit of silver. Yeah, very very clean. Mm. I don't know if she has kids. I assume she can't possibly. Maybe she does. Probably Maybe that's the magic. <laughs> confined to one room. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she's got like her secret space that's really messy and no one ever sees. Okay, well, that's a no on the cleaning gurus then. But if you do want to follow Mrs. Hinch on Instagram, then it's at Mrs. Hinch. Or there's also Lindsay Crombie, who is queen of clean, doing the same thing. Let's talk about crying. We're well aware of the power of positivity, but there's a big case for embracing those not so happy feelings too. With mounting evidence suggesting having a good cry can do wonders for our health. Anyone ever feel like they need a good cry to feel better? I don't think I think, oh, I must cry. But I think once you have, then yeah, you're like... Yeah, it's a release, isn't amazing. it? Yeah. Well, I was thinking about this quite a lot because at the moment, trying to talk with my children about how like all emotions are valid mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. is the kind of new rhetoric, I think, around children and emotions. And it's just something that I think adults could embrace more as well, that we should not run away from our feelings or fear our feelings. And actually associating crying with weakness, to me, is misguided and it would be better to see it as a sign of strength that you are able to express these emotions Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I remember my dad walking me down the aisle crying and crying and I was like it's not a sad day oh no I know it's just we're a very lacrimose family and I was like lacrimose what does that mean this sorry this all happened down the aisle this all happened this is in the car on the way and I was thinking like note to self when this whole wedding shebang's over I might look up what lacrimose (laughs) means and then I looked it up and actually it means someone prone to crying Mm -hmm. someone who's quite teary and he said to me at the time Churchill was really lacrimose and I thought okay I'm gonna follow this up later so (laughs) so I looked this up and I actually thought on the back of this story because it talks in here about leaders so that politicians with the greatest minds entrepreneurs to do with emotional intelligence and also to be able to communicate their feelings down to different levels and I was reading about Churchill and his crying And it said here in a book, which was really, really fascinating to me, pretty much anything could induce tears in Churchill, whereas many leaders struggle hard to manufacture genuine emotions. Churchill was regularly overwhelmed by them. If George W. Bush or Tony Blair were to cry in public over the War of Terror, it might well unnerve a large number of people. But Churchill was so naturally lachrymose that he seemed to have spent much of the Second World War in tears. I thought that was so interesting that the kind of the biggest struggle the nation had faced and the guy who was leading everyone through, who kind of got England and everyone behind him, was spent most of the time giving his speeches in floods of tears. (laughs) And how we don't expect our leaders to show that kind of emotion ever now. 
So I thought this was so interesting. That is so interesting. And it's almost like we've gone backwards then in that sense. Because yeah. I think you're right that we totally associate crime with a sign of weakness. I'm not sure I'd feel hugely encouraged if any leader were to stand up and be crying in a time where there should be absolute strength and yeah, you're right. solidarity. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. I think, God, least of all, if it was a woman. Is that well, all that, to well, say? Yeah, yeah. 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 I think she did after the general election, didn't she? And did she? Yeah, because she obviously thought that the Conservatives were going to absolutely yes. get a huge majority and they bit, didn't. didn't she? And yeah. it was her fault, I <laughs> I suppose. But even so, you could absolutely see why she would do that. Yes. And people obviously pounced on it a little bit. But I don't think she got too much slack for it because they were like... I do always remember Obama crying after... I think Was it Sandy Hook or one of the school yeah. shootings? Yeah. I always remember him crying. And I think it's really wrong that we associate it with a weakness. But then to an extent, when somebody who you don't see cry then cries, then it kind of shows the severity of a situation, which yeah. is almost totally. a good thing. Like Almost like when one of your parents cries. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's really shocking. Yes, totally. Particularly if they don't cry very often. And I think almost that's a good thing. Like, I can cry over quite a lot of things, so I worry that that kind of doesn't give validity to things that are actually serious if you're, if you're always kind of bursting into tears. But, but I can cry over DIY SOS. That's, like, my biggest oh, yeah. tear oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Obviously. laughs> That one gets me every time. And I think it's the idea of community and people coming together mm. and that solidarity, which I think comes back to Churchill or comes back to Obama. It's just that feeling, you know, in the face of adversity mm. or fighting the good fights, mm. you know. I cry when I get frustrated. I hate that about myself. Yeah. So I will cry if like Sky has sent me the wrong bill. You know when you have those really irritating like bureaucratic phone yeah. conversations. Yeah. I cry in those because I'm angry and frustrated, yeah, not because I'm sad. To me. Yeah. And, and I don't cry very often because mm. I'm sad. But actually, it's those conversations, and it's really awful because I, I get it if I'm having a serious conversation with somebody as well, and I find it so frustrating because it's, it's literally just my body's reaction. Yeah. yeah. But it, yeah. I feel like it almost weakens your argument. But maybe that's completely wrong, and that's and that's I the way that's we view crying. Perception, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't. Think it does, but yeah, yeah, I cry when I'm angry. If I'm having mm. an argument with someone, and it's it's because you care, because yeah. you're yes. emotionally engaged. Yeah. I suppose. Does everyone here cry very often? I cry over small things, so I will sweat the small stuff. But actually, when there are big things going on, it's weird. I get this kind of inner strength. I'm yeah, saying. I think maybe I probably only cry maybe three times a year, oh, and then wow. when I wow. do, it's like it's a big one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Like, yeah, three yeah, times so a month. Yeah, me oh, too. Right. Mm. I think I bottle stuff up, yes. and then it finally it's like a tiny yeah. thing, and I'm like, and then it comes. But yeah, because I very rarely have those I, yeah. I sob maybe like once every two years or something like yeah. real cry yeah, yeah. not very often at all somebody in the team was saying the other day that they only feel good if they have that kind of cry once a month they feel that yeah. they need it like the release yeah <laughs> what do we think about crying in the workplace do we think it's too much of a taboo yes yeah <laughs> I think it is actually I think that it's unprofessional oh, you I do think it's unprofessional to cry in the workplace well I think it depends what you're crying about yeah I mean, mm-hmm. obviously and how um, often and how often <laughs> yeah. if you haven't kind of got your way yes. or something to then yes. go and cry yeah yeah, yeah. I think going off to cry privately if you need to let it out mm. is acceptable mm. I think it's quite an extreme expression of emotion still really mm-hmm. so is it then alright to scream and shout mm-hmm. you've got to draw the line yes so it's not necessarily crying it's just showing extreme emotion. reactions in emotion that I would say is mm. perhaps not quite professional I don't know I think it just makes things awkward a bit yeah. <laughs> yeah. everyone can you're right it takes it to a new level because suddenly oh she cried okay the whole new, it's yeah. like a new thing to have to deal but with but if it's yeah. something personal oh yeah and That's you're true. trying to keep yourself together but it's mm-hmm. quite obvious that you've yes. been crying that's always a tricky one isn't it yes yeah. and then people are like oh is she okay but i think that's it. it's normal and it's human yeah, we're all human. Yeah. exactly if somebody comes out of a room having been on the phone yeah. and looks like they've been crying then check their yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah i think yeah, it yeah. depends on the reason yeah, yeah. Yes, i mean completely. if there's a third party involved and someone here came and crying because you know they'd had a really unpleasant experience yes. of course then you would be like oh my god what's happened totally. yeah supporting but if it's something internal then i think obviously that's much trickier yes i agree save the crying for at home 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. We're a culture obsessed with healthy eating, but research shows maintaining a healthy lifestyle is far too expensive for most of us. A survey recently found the poorest fifth of families would have to set aside more than 40% of their total weekly income after housing costs to satisfy the requirement of the government's Eat Well Guide. Does everyone find that eating healthier is more expensive? I think it depends, doesn't it? Because whenever any of these stats come out, there's always the whole, if you were to have a few takeaways a week, surely that's going to be way Mm. more expensive than just going and doing a big weekly shop, even if that was a mix of healthy and unhealthy Mm -hmm. stuff. I think this is more about actively doing your food shopping so that it's easier to go and buy a load of frozen pizzas than it is to go and buy a whole load of fruit and veg. As mothers, did you find that to be the case? I think you can feed a family quite healthily mm-hmm. for not much but you know you can just use all your vegetables that's yeah. what I think yeah. like any vegetables I've got which are looking a bit sad I just cook them up yeah. blend them make mm. them into a pasta sauce mm-hmm. then you just stick it in the freezer when, yeah. but when you see that I think KFC or somebody a few weeks ago they said that they doing like a family I don't know what it was like a bucket yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. £1.50 or something it does make it difficult for mm-hmm. it's tempting right because yeah, it's a whole if you're a single well. mother mm-hmm. it must be really hard you can just pick that up on the way home mm-hmm. but equally I do think you can go and mm-hmm. just buy a load of vegetables and cook them up it's mm-hmm. time consuming though I get yeah. that I think that must be the issue because yeah I find the same my, my local shops are Morrison's and yeah it's not that expensive to buy loads of fruit and veg and sort of mm-hmm. the basic things and yeah create meals from that but yeah I suppose it is maybe you think about single parent families having the time to do all the cooking and mm-hmm. everything as and well everything as everything else exhausting stuff. yeah I think the fruit and vegetables is perhaps accessible but I think when it comes to good quality chicken Meat. and completely yeah. agree yeah. when you read about if you buy salmon from the supermarket kind of where it's farmed and they're all swimming in maggots and it's all meant to be <gasps> utterly mm. disgusting don't tell me that not all farmed salmon <laughs> <laughs> to add disclaimer <laughs> but I think things like batch cooking is really good mm-hmm. if you can just do big portions like you were saying with your pasta sauces maybe I don't know is it better to have meat less often have chicken less often but get organic chicken and have meat less often or buy different cuts I think you can investigate it and probably feed your family for less if you get or buy pulses to bulk things out mm-hmm. you know yeah. bulk out a bolognese with some lentils yeah. again it's the time though isn't mm. it also, and the knowledge you know definitely the knowledge it's education. and the education and also yeah. I mean I don't have kids but I'm guessing that you've got to make that food pretty flavoursome for kids to want to eat that surely like we would eat a piece of salmon and some grilled veg but I'm guessing you won't yes. feed that to a six year old no or just start them early I suppose do you have to do that oh well then no 
they go through phases. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and one child likes salmon, and the other oh, child won't yeah. touch it. <laughs> yeah, it goes on and on. But I think it's really hard because the other day my kids were doing some sports camp thing, and there's the vending machine, and it's full of Lucasaid. Mm-hmm. It's a kids camp, and they're selling Lucasaid. Yeah. So we had this conversation oh. yesterday because we've just had a letter home from school saying in the upper years they do a packed lunch, and it was saying you can't bring crisps, you can't bring chocolate. We're a healthy eating school. That's fine. But then you look at their menu and I think it's every third week they serve jelly. Now, I don't mind my children having jelly. I'm not preach preachy about what my mm-hmm. children eat. But I do think in this day and age, schools serving jelly, there's no nutrition mm-hmm. in jelly. I just think it's a weird thing for a school to serve. Do they do desserts every day? Yes, and that's fine. But, and they're they're not, hungry. but are they normally better than... I don't know. I don't even mind, you know, chocolate cake and custard, whatever. Yeah. At least it's a bit filling, whereas jelly... Yeah, jelly is just, just find not. It's just a bit sugar. Of a, yeah. <laughs> it's literally... There is nothing in jelly. And I find that a bit weird. And we're all being told we've got to eat healthily, we've got to eat healthily. It's weird when they prescribe to you what you can put in a pat lunch. lunch. And And then they serve jelly. Apparently in our kids' school, the chocolate cake's made with beetroot. Wow. I know. (laughs) Very deliciously, yeah. Exactly, hilarious. I think it's a really good point that schools are really, should be held accountable for this as well. Like when I was growing up, my house was a really healthy household and I wasn't given, you know, treats kind of willy-nilly. But when I hit senior school, there was a tuck shop and a vending machine. And I'm sure it's different now. You were let loose. I went nuts. Yeah. Like three chocolate bars at 10.30 in the morning every day. Because I could, and it was so yeah. exciting, and they were like 10p each, and it was just so exciting to kind of have access to that. So I think schools have a responsibility to not be giving children access to that kind of food. Yeah. But then it's also education, isn't it? So it's like with social media, if you ban it, they don't learn to use it. And I completely agree with so, that. But I remember going back to the sort of working around a budget, being a student, in my halls of residence, in my little tiny plug-in fridge, I had cottage cheese, and then I had a can of sweet corn, and I had Rivita, and that was my kind of go-to. Mm-hmm. meal but I didn't have much money and yeah. I didn't know what to eat and I thought well that's sort of a bit of dairy a bit of veg and a bit of <laughs> food very balanced <laughs> protein in there really yeah. like meat or anything but it's funny what you kind of live on and go mm-hmm. to but I think the fresh thing's really hard as well because we've just had Harvest Festival and everything that they wanted us to bring in it's all canned mm-hmm. heavily processed it wasn't necessarily unhealthy but it did really make me think it's like there's food bank containers in the supermarket and everyone's like chucking in mm-hmm. things basically it's all tinned yeah or it's all packaged yeah so there's still no fresh food yeah you think, is there any fresh food going to those places yeah it's so true and I don't know what the answer is to that Heather mm. any tips for eating healthy on a budget well again I know I talk about Monzo all the time but <laughs> what's good about it is that you can see where you're spending your money and I do find that every month when it kind of breaks down it's always food that's always the the thing that I've spent most of my money on more than eating out and more than sort of entertainment which is basically pints in the pub <laughs> yeah it is always on food and mm. I do try my hardest to kind of not spend too much but I think yeah mm. it can get even for us kind of here where the office is the only place we can really get lunch is a sort of small Sainsbury's local mm. and obviously the prices there are a lot more expensive mm, than they completely. would be in the larger supermarket so I yeah. think that can have a real impact as well or picking up lunch on the go as well exactly you can come in via Pret or yeah. wherever but it doesn't mean that it's going to be particularly healthy for your bank balance or yeah before you know that's you know five pounds yeah exactly five pounds if you do that every day for yes the month yeah it adds up 
Okay, well, home cooking, it sounds like, yep. is the answer to all this. <laughs> Let's talk about birth control. We touched on this on the show last week. If you're taking the pill, chances are you've tried more than one. But when was the last time you had a check-in with your body to see if it's the right method for you? It was World Contraception Day last week. Happy World Contraception <laughs> Day, everyone, belated. What is everybody's experience with birth control? Mine at the moment is terrible, to be honest. I'm just, I have no idea what's going on with my body. I didn't have a period for four months, and oh. then I had one for three weeks, and then I haven't had one for ages and I'm not pregnant I've done lots of tests it's all fine but I keep going to the doctor about it and she's just like oh we don't know what's going on kind of thing and that's kind of it because I've been on three different pills over say the last eight years or something the first one was microgynon and then when I moved from London to Brighton the doctor gave me their equivalent which was redividin which is basically the same but I had like really bad side effects with it so like even though apparently it's exactly the same I was getting really bad headaches felt really teary all the time which I hadn't done at all so then I was prescribed this loestrin which is a really low dose one quite recently we'll say a year ago and then it's absolutely fine for the first five months and now all that stuff I just described earlier is going on and the doctor's just clueless and just won't really do anything to help so I just feel like I just have no idea has she recommended staying on it a while longer to see if it evens out yeah and she was like take two packets back to back so I did that and then I I still started bleeding midway through anyway and then after that she was like oh only have a four day break instead of a seven day break but then I just started bleeding at the wrong time seems like quite a quick fix from the doctor I feel like they're not looking into it yes they were even like right do a chlamydia test which I did knowing I didn't have it I don't have it but (laughs) yeah they're just they just don't have a clue really what's going on so right now I'm just kind of in a weird contraceptive limbo can you not go back to the original microgynon if that was working for you and just yeah. pick it up in London? I mean, yeah, that looks yeah. like an option because up until, say, five months ago, I'd have been talking about all of this really positively. Mm. But, at the but moment. it's also three changes, isn't it? Yeah. And loads of different hormones yeah. in and out mm. of your body. It's kind of not surprising I mean, that maybe I, it's a bit I like, hate Ooh. the pill anyway. Like, yeah. the idea of it, like, it hasn't been around long enough for anyone to really know what it does super long term. Mm. Yeah, when I said that on the show the other day and somebody commented saying I was wrong and that there's been two full generations since the pill was conceived in what the early 60s mid 60s yeah I so but I agree with yeah. you I'd like to, I'd like a kind of good hundred years to yeah be legit. I, yeah I think I'm with you what about others does the pill work for you have you had to try other methods of contraception I was on the pill for years and years and years and I just don't think it did much for my body at all and I think we mentioned it on the show the other day it's just scary how it just lulls you into this false sense yeah Mm. security and actually you come off and your hormones are everywhere Mm. and then turned out to be quite a big issue Mm. and then I took you know years and trying to get it all right again to try Mm. and have children and I think it's quite scary that we all live in this kind of false security of our hormones Mm. being all okay on the pill and I know the pill is also used to help people level out Mm -hmm. but equally we are just pumping ourselves full of weird chemicals yeah and did you feel fine with it when you were on it yeah a bit like you I found good things you know ones worked ones didn't yeah wow that's quite worrying Mm. Regina what about you yeah so I am the same I was on microgynum actually for years and years and years and I had kind of really weird sort of six-week cycles and all quite erratic so it evened out that and I was in a long distance 
distance relationship, so things like being able to do the pill back to back mm-hmm. if you were going to see your boyfriend at a time when otherwise you would be having your period. There was like a lot of lifestyle convenience about yeah. it. And I think I was at an age where I never even stopped to think about the physical ramifications of being on a synthetic hormone. I just didn't even think about it. Mm-hmm. Now I have the Mirena coil and for me, touch wood, I think I'm on my second one now so I've had it for about eight years and it's been good. I don't have any periods. That, I just Sorry, love that's that. the non-hormone one. No, this is yeah, the this hormone, is the hormone one. one. Okay. The copper one is the non-hormone. Yes. So this has a very low dose, constant release. Mm-hmm. And I do sort of sometimes think, it's really weird that I'm not having a period at all. Yes. And it's been kind of eight years now. Yes. But then yeah. I guess that thought exits my head and I carry on with my yeah. life and I'm yeah. busy rushing around. And maybe I should be giving more thought to all of this. I think, like you were saying, Heather, often we don't give enough thought to it until we're faced with an issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise we're like, oh yeah, right, it's on my to-do list. I've ticked that box. It's done. Now on to the next thing. Yeah. You know, I think, I it's... think if you can write a diary before you go on a pill mm-hmm. at all and record your kind of mood swing and skin and energy levels and headaches and all of those things because often we don't record those before we start mm-hmm. anything new so we don't really have a benchmark we're just like oh I'm sure that last month I felt better than I do or I seem yeah. a bit mm-hmm. grumpy or I'm shouting at everyone or you know it's those things that they're just a bit inaccurate and I suppose that's what I would do in the future I think it's so tempting as you say to sit in that full sense of security or what seems like security anyway for so long because I've been on the pill for nearly nine years I've never taken a break I found a pill that worked really well for me yeah. I had terrible acne all through my teenage years it cleared that up practically overnight and I've had no negative side effects from it as far as I'm aware but again we mentioned this last week I don't really know if that's true or not I could be way happier or (laughs) way thinner if I wasn't on the pill but it's really tempting if it ain't broke Mm -hmm. to not really question or worry about it but I think you know you've got the knowledge that when you do want to come off you Mm. can maybe have some tests to check your hormones and I think that's the key Yeah, bit of a hormone MOT yes Yes. and Olivia said she had that and it Mm. sounded really Mm. worth having well if you are concerned that your birth control pill isn't right for you this piece suggested a couple of red flags to look out for whether it's feeling puffy or bloated losing your libido suffering from migraines or experiencing breakthrough bleeding it's worth getting things checked out with your doctor A survey conducted by a leading charity of more than a thousand young people aged 16 to 18 revealed real sex could be taking a backseat in favour of sexting as teens sexual relationships are increasingly taking place online but is this a good thing? Georgina, I'm naturally going to come to you first. She's <laughs> the mother of three teens. Three teens. Yeah, she's only 12. Three teens. Put the brakes on that for a while. So obviously in this piece, it, it weighs up the pros and cons. So obviously teens having less sex is a good thing. Yeah. But obviously the downside to sexting online is the risks of what they're calling sextortion, where people are being blackmailed for sending nudes and things they say, etc. So Georgina, what's worse? So when I saw this, I thought that it to me reflected the online dating scene as being bigger than ever more people online how I've got a few friends who are online dating and how they seem to have a lot of build up of sexy texts and all this kind of foreplay I guess and obviously we used to speak on the phone or sometimes write letters (laughs) when I read this I kind of thought it felt like an extension of courtship really I find it hard to believe that teenagers who want to go and have sex are not having sex because they're doing this instead Mm -hmm. So if someone wants to take drugs and they're 14 or drink, I kind of felt that the ones that are risk takers and who want to do it are going Mm. to be doing it anyway. This isn't going to be in place of that. But it's the digital footprint 
element it's leaving behind the proof of yep. the shot you took mm-hmm. the guy you sent it to I thought the story about the 14 year old girl in Minnesota was just so sad Me yeah too. I think that's a really extraordinary ruling right so this so. is a 14 year old girl in Minnesota who was charged with distributing child pornography after she sent a nude of herself to a boy she liked via snapchat and then he went on to make a copy and distributed that and now she could be on the sex offenders register for 10 years and there's nothing no mention of him no, no. no. that's insane so it's yeah. the wrong it's like the wrong person yes yes so that's obviously the negative side and i thought that was a really powerful anecdote actually to share with people in this age group so they really do understand the repercussions however on the other side the idea that there are boys at the back of the school bus looking at hardcore porn on their phones aged from about 14 what this could do is it could allow people to explore their boundaries safely because if it's just texting as opposed to showing images, then you can find out what you're comfortable with as a young person, what you're willing to send, what you're willing to read, and particularly help those boys understand the boundaries within mean sex and, dare we say, romance. Let's get a bit of romance <laughs> going on. And to think about it a bit more along those mm. lines. Yeah, I hear what you say. I think that's the very positive way to look at it all. <laughs> your point about the ones who are going to do it doing it anyway if I kind of imagine my teenage self I mean I was not having sex at 14 15 <laughs> I wasn't in that bracket of people who wanted to do it anyway but so I can imagine well I can imagine a pressure though it's quite easy to say no to sex because it's quite extreme at 14 you right like you're kind of either going to do it or you're not but I feel like this creates more of a gray area where you feel more of a pressure to do this if everybody was doing was it, doing it. Yeah, it's not, it's not as scary yeah. as having sex no. but that doesn't mean that it's something you'd necessarily be comfortable with but if everybody's doing it you can imagine those sleepover scenarios can't you everyone kind of gathered Mm -hmm. around the phone Phone. replying and coming up with whatever exactly but it's all under your names and i think that becomes that's when it becomes quite dangerous peer pressure and everything yeah you're right your girls are obviously much younger but (laughs) it's just a terrifying thought to me and feels a long way off and i sort of dread to think what you know if this is happening now what will be happening by the time they're (sighs) that age and who's going to tell me how to handle it (laughs) You know, it's really scary. I feel like things might get better, though. I hope that we're going to reach peak technology and that maybe then things will there'll, there'll be, be the more, education yeah and there'll of, be more yeah. systems in place to deal with it by the time your girls you know in another decade so. or so yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that is definitely my hope my big hope when I go if I was going to make a prayer each night yeah. it would be just anything to do with technology social yeah. media and how it influences your mental state especially in teenage girls mm. and boys but I guess somehow it always feels that girls are perhaps more vulnerable yes. yeah well it's about educating them isn't yes. it yeah. I was I about to say if so, you talk about it in school and they do talk about it mm-hmm. and sharing you know, they're told don't share pictures online yeah. you know, don't take a picture of yourself in your crop top and send it to yeah. somebody even if it's your boyfriend like you know yeah. especially when you're a teenager like yes. that and probably isn't going to last and you know it just takes one thing doesn't it yeah. or their mates to nick his phone totally. for example yeah. Yeah. it doesn't even have to be a malicious spiral, thing spiral 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 mm-hmm. yeah exactly and I think it's just talked about mm-hmm. in schools and amongst families in a way that things possibly weren't in preceding mm-hmm. generations yeah, so true. That is the hope that it's just all out in the open and let's keep it out in the open. And it's, you know, you mustn't be ashamed. You haven't done anything wrong. You know, you mustn't feel guilty. It's about supporting the kids and not making anyone feel guilty or ashamed. 
bit of a self-indulgent plug to finish. I've just started a series for Sheer Lats called The Wedding Diaries. I've got just nine months to go until my big day. So we're going to chart all the big decisions that go on behind the scenes in preparing a wedding once a month up until June next year. So we kicked off last week with saving the date. I've sent out save the dates. Well, when I say I've sent them out, I stuffed them all yesterday. It is so long. Yeah, they are so pretty. Yeah. And now to go and buy like 100 sands oh, as well, which is also not cheap. Anyway, all that aside, I wrote a piece about why we chose to send out Save the Dates and also the wedding website, which was something I was completely against before the wedding, but ended up being something we have to do because we're getting married abroad. You need one place to put all that information ahead of time. So hence the website. Does anyone else have any experience using wedding websites? Because there are a load of reasons why I was really anti them. I, know, I, I absolutely loved this piece, thought it was great, Thanks. but it did make me feel really stressed. Like yeah. reading about the kind of wedding website, I was like, oh yeah, I didn't really think about. Have you ever seen one before? Yes, but not as nice as yours sounds. But <laughs> that is in like, you know, with the color scheme and how exactly how you wanted it and obviously getting Ali to give you a hand here and there and you know making it very much yours I think that's a really nice thing to do the ones I've seen are a bit more basic they're so clever though really for you organising I mean it's just it's so helpful it is a really Mm. good tool and particularly as I say if you're getting married abroad you kind of need it and to fend Mm -hmm. off all the questions I was going to say whilst it feels laborious now the time it will save you later when Mm -hmm. you want to concentrate on more important things like what eyeliner you're going to wear or something (laughs) those questions will be like just please go to the website refer to the website Exactly. I think as well as a guest, I often sort of end up not losing, but just like storing away the mm. save the dates and invitations. So it's quite good to know that there's always that URL you yes. can type in and everything's there mm. wherever you are. That's kind handy. of the plan. Exactly. If you're at work, you can be like, oh yeah, what am I doing when it's at home, for exactly. example. So two married ladies in the room, what advice could you offer me about anything in the planning process? What was your biggest takeaway? biggest takeaway don't leave the table plan to the last minute oh okay and, yeah, check, and get that... someone to check your table so I was at my friend's wedding and the father of the bride called me to help with the table plans which basically involved checking every table and also making sure that the right person was facing towards the bride and groom okay mm. so the vicar and the you know the great grandmother and people yes. like that and I didn't do that at my wedding and I wish I'd got someone to do that because I got in there and my friend's husband had no chair he oh had no God. place setting so we all went in sat down and he was just oh, no. I felt so bad for him because he's just standing oh, there. Yes. Like, I don't know who to ask because I can't ask her because she's just got married. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I thought, oh, that's a shame. I should have. So things like that, just that's everything you think you've done, get it checked. just get it checked okay. and checked again. I was told with the table plan, you need people that we called the bridge. So people that can join two groups of okay people yes and have all your bridges yes. and then the table plan that's comes, and that really helped us well I think I'm just going to do one long table for the young people for like we for have our long guests. tables and we like, still need to bridge oh yeah you're right you're right the groups yes mm. yes you do I suppose that's true but I feel like that's less hard than like when you've got a table of 10 yes. my yeah. About that for their yeah. yeah oh yeah are you going to let your parents kind of sort them oh yeah yeah, yeah. I've got oh, no interest good. in who their friends say oh, no yeah, yeah, <laughs> they know better than me so they can sort that out oh, that's but okay table plan's good one well that will be a feature in the wedding diaries I think nearer at the time so and have you given people a date to reply by no because we'll still subsequently send invites with RSVPs this is just to save the date because also when you're getting married abroad you have to do like a few more events it's not just the wedding itself so we wanted to make it clear that we needed Mm -hmm. to know that people would be there for the Friday as well so there's a bit of that but no a formal RSVP is still to come so so exciting if you're invited you've still got some time (laughs) Uh, I think that's it for this week if you enjoyed that please do rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends and we'll see you next time 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.